Hello, and welcome to The Awardist from Entertainment Weekly. We're taking you inside this year's best contenders for the industry's biggest awards, from the Golden Globes to the Oscars. I'm your host, Shana Naomi Krokmal, the Digital Director at EW, and I'm joined this week by my excellent colleagues, Bill Keith, who is the Deputy Editor of the magazine, Mark Snedeker, who edits EW's Weekly Must List and loves musicals. Correct. Yeah, both that is of you. In my job description. Yeah. Well. <laughs> okay, excellent. We all love musicals. Musical enthusiasts. And that's that's, that's what we're talking about this week. We're going to talk about musicals or movies with lots of music in them, or movies that ended up in a musical comedy category, whether they have a lot of music in them or not. Can you sing your way to a statuette? How important will performances be? That's what we're talking about. This podcast is part of our comprehensive awards coverage in the magazine and online at ew.com. Um, later in the show, Mark and PSN Roy talked to Mary Poppins Returns director Rob Marshall, who you had spoken to before, Mark, because you also yeah. wrote our cover story. I was on that set. It was just as magical as you think. I um, saw the film last week. I'm really excited uh -huh. for us to get to talk about that. Mark, you got to observe what was Triple Light Fantastic? Is that this? Oh, yeah. I was, I'm, yeah. I've got all sorts of stories to oh, share. Oh, good. Good. Okay, we're yeah. going to get into that. And we'll make some more um, bold takes, big predictions. Um, Mark, uh, Bill has already done a couple of these. Mark, we're going to make you do I'm a really couple. I'm really bad at bold takes. Well, you've got... Lukewarm takes, I'm very okay. Right. You just got to sell it like a bold take, even if it only feels like a lukewarm take. I we'll get there. Like you got to we'll never we'll, We will never have a wrap-up show where we go through all of what Mark's are you, bold yes, takes. Yes, we will. We are now. Yes, we will. <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk about, uh, you know, we had Golden Globe nominations recently. The um, HFPA, the For Hollywood Foreign Press Association's definition of what is a musical or comedy is always a bit of a question mark. Mm -hmm. Here were the musical or comedy best motion picture nominees for this year. Crazy Rich Asians, which actually makes great use of music, but I assume is here because it is a comedy. comedy. <laughs> um, great soundtrack, though. The Favorite. Um, yeah. Green Book, which is has music in it and a musician character, but is neither super comedic nor a musical, I would say. I think it's like a biopic. It's a musician's biopic. Yeah, yeah which I, I feel to... like uh, awards often, like, oh, somebody plays a piano once? Oh, it's right. a musical. It's a musical. And Golden Globes are really the only you know big show that has the differentiate comedy musical from drama for right. film. Great movie, Green Book. Mary Poppins Returns. Total musical. I don't think it belongs in this category. No, I'm <laughs> you, yeah. I almost bought that Total for a second. Pure All drama. Musical. So sad. I mean, I did cry like eight times. Oh, sure. So, it, you if know. She returns. It's uh, basically. I mean, yeah. I would have liked her to return a little sooner. If you were crying because it wasn't. <laughs> well, I was like, where, where's Blunt? She like Emily not... Blunt is my hero, and I need her to do everything yeah. at all times. Okay, but... so I feel like she shows up. It was like, well, actually, I love the opening credits. I thought those were super cool. Like with the oil painting, which yes. I, well, let's hear the last one. And, and, and then, and then Vice, which I have not seen. I have seen. Is it a comedy? It is a comedy. Okay, yeah. fair. Is there any singing in it? No, no, no. Okay, just I just wanted to. Uh, talk. You never know. There were yeah. a lot of people in the Bush administration who were secret singers, right? Very Remember? true. So Very true. anything is possible. But There's glad a lot to of hear it's not. In that yeah. Can I ask a question? I feel like in my consciousness, this category, musical or comedy. Um, I, I, it's been going on for years, but I have a distinct memory of like that 
Johnny Depp, Angelina Jolie movie, The Tourist, mm -hmm. being in this category. And from then on, it's been a slow decline every year of like what belongs in the category. It's, there's yes. less cohesion. It's just yeah. it could be anything. The but it's like also like well, I don't and then even, even know, when and then we get when into the put, drama ones. Yeah, like right? Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star Is Born are in drama, which right. It's just, also it's, seem like musicals. It's all just the campaign, you know? It's yeah. all, it's crazy, but. Yeah, so on a scale of one, two, we were talking about this, like what is the most musical musical that ever musicaled in a movie? <laughs> in the history of musicals. Well, I, to me, it's like West Side Story. Okay. Yeah. In terms of Oscar movies. Oscar movies. I, I would say, I'll give you a couple names, but I would first just lay out like, it, it, it's a number 10 musical musical if it hits the beats of a musical, if it has a strong book, Often, if it's a comedy, although mm -hmm. that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. the king, the original the songs. Yeah, or, um, it's some of them. Um, you know, uh, the character, like the songs exist. There's a word called diegetically, which means like it's in the story, or non-diegetic, which is it's outside of the story. Maybe you hear it, but if like a character hears it inside the actual world, it's diegetic. Anyway, Wait, which one is like singing to camera? Like I, I'm wandering through my day singing, like in West Side Story. Diegetic. Okay. Especially, if, but it's like if the character knows what they're doing, if it's sure. a part of the story, um, unlike, say, like an original song, which we'll talk about a little later. But anyway, so on, to, on that front, almost every musical you would really think of as a musical, everything you've ever done in high school or middle school or seen on Broadway, that is a number 10 musical on that scale. And of these you know? Mary Poppins returns, by far the most musical totally. of our choices it's here. It's the only one on the list that's like full on musical. And it's right. a totally original musical. It's mm -hmm. Rob Marshall's first original musical. They're all new which songs, is, which is surprising, or will mm -hmm. be surprising, I think, to some people when they see this. Yeah, I think a lot of people, definitely going into it, um, I've been covering this movie for a few years now, I'm still having to tell people, it ain't a remake. Right. Uh, and I mean, but you can't really prep people to not expect to hear a little supercalifragilistic, right. um, which is not in there, but there is certainly like an heir apparent to it. Totally. Um, mm -hmm. And you hear a little bit of Feed the Birds and like a little of the melody like a line. a little but... bit of a hint of them, yeah. although no one ever sings any of those Totally. And like the Topsy the thing, that the Topsy moment in the movie with Meryl Streep is obviously a nod to the... Um, Uncle Albert. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly uh, Mary Poppins Returns honors a lot of the original. Mm -hmm. There is the Step in Time, which is a song called Triple Little Light Fantastic. Um, there is... The big uh, animated sequence. The big animated mm -hmm. number, which is kind of Jolly Holiday um, and Supercalifragilistic. Uh, and even Her in the Nursery. There's an amazing song that I kind of want to see get a little more love. It's called Where the Lost Things Go. I yeah. fully sobbed. Gorgeous ballad. It was yeah. beautiful. beautiful. It was evocative. It was like really an intense yeah. moment. Emily Blunt said that was her most emotional day on set. Uh, Rob says his is Dick Van Dyke on the set. Emily says hers is shooting Where the Lost Things Go, which is this ballad Mary Poppins sings to the kids after the mother passed away. And anyway, I, as we talk about a little later, the songs uh, in contention, We'll, we will find that Mary Poppins Returns, though it is the only musical in this real category, um, I think they're having a little trouble choosing which song mm -hmm. they really want to get behind because right. there's a lot of interesting ones. Right, so then we have two movies, despite being labeled a drama, but I think will be in contention, or at least Bohemian Rhapsody will be in contention during the Globes. We'll see if that actually translates for the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Star is Born, we know we're going to hear about throughout award season. We'll definitely make it somewhere in the Oscars. Yeah. Let's talk about how, like those are, 
like above average musicals. They both use a lot of songs and songs are you you even sort of see like the process of these people writing songs and creating songs, which I think is always a little bit of a distinction for me. Like when yeah. you have a musical where it's just like, oh, here's a song and I am singing it is a little different than that working musical thing where you see people put together mm -hmm. a song and you right. kind of like the process of songwriting. I mean, that's yeah. one of the coolest parts about A Star is Born for me anyway of that movie was like, See, just seeing the creation of that first big mm -hmm. song of Shallows, like, and I think that's what makes it a little bit different than like a movie w w that has performances in it. Like Bohemian Rhapsody to me is almost like it's a jukebox musical. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I don't know why that it didn't just go full jukebox on it because it kind of has nothing to do with the real story of Queen. Right. But like they sort of frame it, and then I mean, and the, the performances are the most interesting part of it. Totally. Like, it's well like, cast. It's the like the entire Live Aid performance, but that's like. I think like 12 or 15 minutes yeah. where it's just a concert. And it, that is great, but it's like that does, to me, does not a movie or a musical make. Well, there is like, already a I mean, everybody, there's a musical called We Will Rock You, which right. is like this huge right. sensation. It kind of went away. Nobody's been talking about it this year. Yeah. Well, rightly so, but you think, oh, that really wouldn't have made a very good movie, but maybe. I mean, the, in Bohemian the Rhapsody, there's an entire five minutes devoted to the origin story of the boom, boom clap before yeah. we will rock you. Yes. Like, honestly, it's so ridiculous. When you say it like that, you know, and it kind of reminds me of a little bit, it's La Bamba, except for that La Bamba yeah. is great. Right. And I feel like Bohemian Rhapsody struggles to put together enough of that yeah. actual story in a way that reflects what we know is a very complicated story. Yeah. Um, not to say La Bamba is the most, like, complicated version <laughs> no. of, like, telling a story I mean, about it. we're going to talk about percent. songwriting films that are, I mean, Crossroads, the Britney Spears film. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's funny <laughs> because a lot, like... Also amazing. I think Shonda of, um, this is, again, this is a stage show, but Beautiful, the Carole King musical. Yeah. Um, that was a great show about the creation of a lot of songs, but the way that that show was sort of written was very much... Oh, we got to write this new hit. Oh my God, we right. got to write it. And then the other songwriting team uh, goes, Oh my God, now we got to write a hit. And mm -hmm. it was just this back and forth. And so you see a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody or A Star is Born, which I thought did a really, really good job at this, uh, where it makes the what could be a very boring presentation of we had the inspiration for the song and then we wrote the song. Like, right. That could be a very boring thing. Yes. And I do think at least both films made it an interesting kinetic totally. kind of experience mm -hmm. that totally. you, you see the stroke of genius that inspires a song. I think Stars Born did it in a really subdued kind of way. Yeah, it I was into it for that. Yeah, it that was, was one, like that was one of the shots of her in a notebook, you know? Yeah, that was one of the biggest strengths of that movie for me was like, it wasn't too gimmicky at all, but it was like mm -hmm. smartly handled to, to work in all that music and um, I felt super organic and you didn't feel like you're like, oh, and here's the this scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, the I best part I is like, when the star was being born. Right. Yeah. That was the best part. When this, the I would say Star is Born. Yeah. I, I, yeah, she's already toddling by then. <laughs> star is Born. Well, there's like those moments where she comes on stage and you hear like the surge of like the crowd getting into what she's uh, singing. And those I are, get right? chills thinking totally. about that. You know, that and Bohemian Rhapsody and Vox Lux also, I will say that concert performance part of it, like how to make a really, really believable, but behind the scenes, mm. but then it feels like these are real songs that are being sung. Right. Fox Logs, all the songs are by Sia, and they feel like that movie is crazy, but the performance scenes, and there's also a very long performance scene at the end of it, now uh -huh. that you mentioned that from the Live Aid in comparison. Oh. It's not Live Aid, but it is her like hometown show that she comes right. back to Staten Island to do, and there's three or maybe four numbers right Ooh. in her. It, it is a, Mama long, Mia Mega Mix, a, show, a right? long performance like sequence at the end, and 
it feels exactly like being at like a Lady Gaga show, right. actually, like a really over the top, like the dance, the makeup, the hair is like incredible. And the sound of it is shot really well. So there's right. that like enjoyable concert film or sort of behind the scenes MTV concert film mm -hmm. vibe to all of those. Right. Um, I mean, I think actually even um, Green Book like does a nice job mm -hmm. of not overdoing it with the performances. Yeah. But like you do need to know just like how incredible of a performer Don is it Don Shirley? Mm -hmm. How wonderful he is and like why he's this mm -hmm. transformative person in the music industry and like so they do um I don't know. There's I wanna a say bunch, like, like five. Four or five. Yeah, and then there's concerts. the scene at the end where he's in like a blues bar. Yeah. And you see him perform in a really different and, way. I think, I mean, it definitely made you, I made me like immediately like look for stuff on YouTube of mm -hmm. the real person. Mm -hmm. um, because it's pretty, uh, I mean, it's a pretty big part of the story, so. Mm -hmm. Well, that's always a, not to transition into a different topic, but like that is always an interesting thing to see an actor win for playing a character with a little musical side, like Reese Witherspoon in Walk the Line, or. Right. Yeah, um, or, well, Jeff Ray. Bridges and Crazy Heart. I mean, yeah. Crazy Heart is like more like a star is born Americana, like the first half of it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, but you get the songwriting, you get the performing. Yeah, everybody who ever wins for a musical is either. Well, let's talk about who got nominated for acting. So we've got Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga um, nominated for Star is Born, plus obviously Bradley Cooper for director. Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, I don't believe does the singing in any of this, like maybe a little bit of the live singing, but most of it I think is all. Yeah, that nomination track, right? feels super weird to me. I, th <laughs> um, I feel like it's sort of a consolation. Like they're like, well, he did the best he could possibly do with a really bad movie. <laughs> well, and I'm we like, that's fine, but does he. Appealing to he, an international audience yeah. star. But like. Those fake teeth definitely aren't appealing to him. No, no. no. And then you've got Emily Blunt and Lynn Manuel Miranda for Mary Poppins Returns. And then uh, Mahershala Ali, who mm -hmm. um, doesn't do all of the piano playing, but I understand like did learn how to play piano yeah. for that. And Viggo Mortensen, not that he has any musical numbers, but he is, has a <laughs> yeah. movie also in there. Um, and Peter Farrelly for Green Book for directing. So those are for the Golden Globes anyway, kind of where we ended up on the acting side. And then you've got some scores, some motion picture songs. Should we talk about the actors first? You were gonna, yeah. like, who, which of these, I mean, I think obviously Lady Gaga, strong contender across the board, across yes. this mm -hmm. season. Not that anyone is surprised she can sing, and but maybe are more surprised how much she can act. Yes, very much so. And also kind of forgetting that she's Lady Gaga. I think even on the first go round of Stars Born, you, you definitely are transported. You definitely say, this is not Lady Gaga, this is Allie. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it does take a good amount of time to make yourself forget it. But totally. then second time around, you're like, okay, this is just Allie Mayne. Like, this mm -hmm. is... That, yeah. And like, that's that credibility, though. Like, watching her write a song or watching her get on stage and sing for the mm -hmm. first time, it's like, your question is not, like, does this feel real for her? Yeah, I mean, I... Cause I watched it twice, and mm -hmm. so I remember like thinking, I watched it before the premiere, and then I went to the premiere, and I watched it, and then I was like watching it for like, it was like a totally different experience. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, she's doing like really subtle stuff here. Because honestly, like mm -hmm. her character, it isn't the big showy um, acting job on this movie. Like that's Bradley's stuff, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Although we do get so, to see him really sing in a way that yeah. obviously and that's yeah. the other thing that he feels like too. such a rock star. I don't think yeah. he's getting the right love. Like I, I feel like Bradley Cooper, I mean, Lady Gaga was amazing, but totally, Bradley totally. Cooper, I, I yeah. feel like should be this easy front runner across the board and it doesn't sound like that 
is necessarily. Yeah, the, he the did remind me of Jeff Bridges actually. Totally. Like, and I mean, Jeff Bridges had done other musical movies before. I mean, Fabulous Baker Boys is one of my favorite movies hmm, of all yeah. time. And it was even that wasn't really like the first time we saw him sing, but he's really performs through that movie. Right. Um, also, he is uh, receiving the big Lifetime Achievement Award at the Globe, so mm -hmm. maybe he will be on stage for a number. Maybe he would like yeah. to sing with. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. I mean, the people want a Crazy Heart Star is born mashup. <laughs> I do. That's do what I? Yes. That's what there you Twitter go. has been clamoring for. I'll take for. it. It's just incredible that he was able to go on stage and be like, yeah, I can go toe to toe with Lady Gaga of yeah. Like yeah. all the musicians in the world. I think like, there was a quote in our piece that Tim did about how um, she felt like her, like he talked about helping her sort of find herself as an actor and that. Mm -hmm but also her helping him find himself as an artist, as a musical that. artist. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm making that up. I, feel like <laughs> I remember reading but that. It, yes. But even, even but, it, like that yeah. sounds like a, what must have happened on yeah. that, because how could that not have happened with that yeah. chemistry, you know? Yeah. Um, but Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Oh, is my life hero. Who I'm so. glad with all of the reviews of Mary Poppins as people are, you know, some people are crossing their arms and some right. are just opening them wide open for a hug. Yeah. Um, Who is crossing their arms to Emily oh. Some people are, are skeptical I, about the yeah. film. And no, they I think they went in not wanting to w welcome it. And it, it's fair. I mean, we knew this was sort of going to happen. Um, but ultimately, the reviews are positive. But no matter what, the one constant is that Emily Blunt is remarkable. Like, you have to see yeah. what she does as Mary Poppins. Yep. So whether she wins an Oscar from it, I actually don't know. I that that is obviously quite a tough race. She was just so but, delightful. Yeah. And, and for the and for the Globes, job, a really tough for the Globes, job. she won't be going job. up against Lady Gaga. So at least they can both right. win. I wish that she night. was. Like I, yeah. I wish she and well, Gaga she like might. we settled that yeah. now. So totally. that we could get to the Oscars and settle the Glenn <laughs> Lady Gaga, you know? Totally. Like, let's make it like an episode of Chopped, you know? Right. <laughs> like, knock them out as we go. But then we also have, the, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, because then there's the Olivia Coleman of it all, and then there's, <sighs> so. And let's talk about Lynn. Lynn. I really thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. I mean, to, like, this is essentially his first feature, right? Yes, this, this is, is his, his first feature. Yeah. Ignoring the odd life of Timothy Green with Jennifer Garner. That's okay. To, <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed him. Yeah, he plays this sort of Dick Van Dyke role, um, and it's a really fun supporting role. Um, I don't know if we'll see him at the Oscars in lead. Yeah. Um, maybe supporting. It, it's, I mean, it's all in how you sort of play the game mm -hmm. and navigate the maze of it. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, certainly uh, gives him a good shot here at the Globes. Uh, mm -hmm. And I mean, of the category, or of the other actors nominated, I mean, it's him, Vigo, and Mahershala. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, he's the only one who does musical mm -hmm. of it, and they might split a vote, and yeah. mm -hmm. you know, so it's interesting. I think I'm just mostly appreciating the year of like Lynn as the poster boy for most musical fanboy of all time, getting to be in an incredibly yes. rich mm -hmm. like musical. And the experience. HFPA, I yeah. think, loves him. And they always love something new, especially on the TV front. They love yeah. something new. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like um, he is new. He is yeah. Lin-Manuel as movie star. So I think right. Let's talk about how the score for Mary Poppins Returns was nominated for a Golden Globe, but not any of the songs. Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing. Like, if you don't have the pressure of having your song work in the context of a musical like Mary Poppins does. Like, I feel like it's much easier f for voters to get behind like songs that are just good songs that yeah. didn't have to further the narrative particularly. So it's like, it's a little bit harder 
for them to land an original song because it's like that Kendrick Lamar song is great in Black Panther. Right. So the nominees we have um, Kendrick Lamar and says all the stars, which was that was over the end credits, right? Um, Girl in the movies, Dumplin', Dolly Parton, mm -hmm. uh, Requiem for a Private War, which is Annie Lennox over the end credits of that. Revelation, Boy Erased by Troy Sivan, um, and then Shallow from A Star Is Born. And the only real question on that was which of the three songs that they were kind of putting forth for contention right. mm. would be, or could they even have multiple ones that got nominated? Well, what's funny about that is as we, it, there's a link between Mary Poppins and Star Is Born. When Star Is Born um, decided that Shallow was gonna be the one song, you heard a little bit of buzz of, oh, but I always like, uh, I'll always remember us this way, mm -hmm. or I'll never live again was so good. Mm -hmm. And those are true, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just a little blip, and you go, okay, Shallow's their song, that's totally fair. Right. Mary Poppins needs to make that decision, mm -hmm. or needed to, and totally. missed it. Mm -hmm. um, because Which there is the so song you songs. would say, would you say Trip the Light Fantastic? I actually think I think Trip a Little Light is what uh, is sort of like the general feeling. I think there's nowhere to go but up, which is the mm -hmm. last song they sing. Everybody's in the sky floating on balloons. Um, I think that's a fabulous song. That's the one I sing right. um, out mm -hmm. in the wild. <laughs> but, but what then, about the where the lost one? things yeah, go? Yeah, where the lost things go is uh, an yeah. amazing, quiet song. Um, that's the one I can imagine on stage at right. the Oscars. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I, Although, I think. I, they're going to do a big, big production, yeah. yeah. But they'll probably do Triple Little Light, to be honest with you. So with Lynn. Yeah, and that whole scene so, was showcased. At, it was like shot on I also love, scene. as a person who I would say my favorite movie musical of all time is Singing in the Rain. Mm -hmm. And after having sat through mm -hmm. what feels like years and years of, particularly on dance competition shows, like, like well-intentioned homages to Singing in the Rain that like don't come anywhere near actually yeah. like approaching what is beautiful about that movie. This was the first time I watched a scene where I was like, this is the, this is the tribute that that song and that movie deserves because so much in the choreography with the lampposts and with it mm. had the same joy and the same like mix of, I just was, I had a yeah. moment where I was like grateful. I was like, right. finally, someone has paid proper tribute to Gene Kelly and to the song. Yeah, and there's some newsies in there as well. Yeah. Um, yes. there's a, it's, yeah, Rob Marshall knows how to make a production number. Yeah. And at every screening I've been to with Mary Poppins, uh, whether people were involved with the film or completely off the street, um, people are cheering after songs. Yes, which totally. Is a real, and th that also happened in Star Is Born sometimes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that is a real interesting new sort of phenomenon. I never really saw I that. I love before. the audience feedback. This yeah. kind of, because it is somewhere between either a live musical or a concert film. You feel mm -hmm. like so you want to applaud, which is, you know. So the Oscars are going to be one hell of a show, though. We can Well, I know, because, I mean, that. I know that we don't know who the hosts are. Or hosts or hosts are, but mm -hmm. it's a drone. The per, yeah, the performances. <laughs> the hologram. Because like I don't think we're gonna see. Unfortunately, like I'd love to see Emily Blunt just up there singing. Yeah. I don't think she that's not gonna will happen. Repre yeah. yeah. I, I think it will be Lynn on the stage with all those dancers who it's already fully choreographed. Right. Totally. For a stage. It works super mm -hmm. well for that. Um, God, I mean, I would love to see. She's gonna reimagine one. You know, maybe. She, well, no. I guess you can't reimagine Shallow that much if no. you're nominated for the song for it, but. There will be a gorgeous dress. There will be a piano. They will probably be sitting on the piano. Is there a way for her to do shallow without him? I bet like Elton John will play the piano or Billy Joel or something. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. He ain't no. Bradley Cooper sitting this out. You don't, think, you, don't think, out. you don't think they're going to perform? I don't. Either. I don't think so. It's about Interesting. her. That, that performance is See, you've be got a bold her. prediction right well, there. Yeah, I guess I mean, I think yeah. Also, yeah. like if you're Emily Blunt, you're like, no, I think I, I, think I nailed I'm this good. movie, but... 
I don't need to like right. perform the same night as Lady Gaga. It also kind of, yeah, in front of a lot of it a bit to see her just like pop on Mary Poppins for a hot minute. Yeah. It's like this is not Broadway. That totally, you know. So that'll be interesting for sure. Interesting. Anything else we saw this year that had music in it was either full musical like a Mamma Mia two or <laughs> what else? What else did you enjoy that was musical ish? Well, I do, before I answer that question, I do just want to say about best score. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Shaman has never won an Oscar. Is that right? Which is the most insane thing in the world. Mark oh Shaman, is, he's, uh, he's got the E, the G, and the T. Uh, several T's. Uh, a I, whole lot of T's. Uh, yeah. Probably a lot of E's. Yeah. Which have felt, like, that's surprising. Has he been nominated for Oscars? Well, he's been nominated for a bunch. The last time he was nominated for an Oscar, I believe, was 1999 for the South Park movie. Which Stephen Sondheim has said is one of his favorite musicals ever. It's an sure. amazing musical. But of all the things he has written, yeah. for that to be. So, so the fact that he's now back doing a score, he said this is the most he's ever worked on a, a movie. Oh, really? Um, and just that score, like there are so many. It's half of the reason you cheer in Mary Poppins Returns, you cheer when she arrives, you mm -hmm. cheer when she leaves. Like it, it's, well, you don't really cheer when she leaves. No, I but, cried. Again. Yeah, you cry when she leaves. You you, you laugh when <laughs> yeah. she gets there. Uh, but anyway, I just wanted to shout out that I hope, hope this is Mark Shaman's year because what a movie to finally win your Oscar for. Totally. And I guess it's going up against, like, you know, Andre Desplat every year has something in there. He won last year for Shape of Water, I think. Mm -hmm. This is for Isle of Dogs. Yeah. Um, Black Panther, you don't really talk about the score. You talk about Kendrick's soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First Man, um, no I one. don't think anybody's clamoring to reward Justin Hurwitz. He just won for La La Land. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then A Quiet Place, um, it's A Quiet Place. Um, yeah, the I music mean, was A Quiet Place, good, I could do like, I could see that one with like sound mixing or yeah. sound editing. But like score, I don't remember like being like, and that's, I, I love that movie. This but, is a score. Mary but, like, Poppins, Mary Poppins is a score. Totally. And that op those opening credits in Mary Poppins, I loved that. I think some people wanted more. I thought it was like so oh, nice yeah. and elegant. And the oil paintings. All the oil paintings, and you're kind of like just... So beautiful. Two thirds of those are originals from the original movie. And then oh, really? they commissioned an artist to paint another third. Uh, it just sort of is like oh. softly bringing you back into this world that you love so much. You guys you know? were so excited for everyone to get to see Mary Poppins. <laughs> <I think laughs> yeah. Like the moral of the story. Totally. Which um, does open later this week. I did go back and look at some of the recent history of Globes and Oscars to try to figure out, especially for Oscars, where there's not a, an explicit category around musical mm. or music other than original song or score. Um, and it was interesting because, like, I don't think it's something that necessarily helps you. <laughs> At the Oscars, the most recent best picture that was a musical was Chicago. So points to Rob Marshall. Yeah. Well, almost La La Land. <laughs> and almost La La Land, yeah. which did win best score. Um, and, and best. won. You yes. know, I mean, sometimes you have to just look at who yes. won for Anne Hathaway for Les Mis. Like, right. you look at who won for a musical performance. Yeah. Because sometimes that's the only thing you want to reward. Yeah. And I will say the Oscars has a pretty decent track record of best song going to something that wasn't a musical rather than just an end credits. Right. So you've got Coco, La La Land, Frozen, The Muppets, Crazy Heart, Once. Like, those all won best song. So it was like a little more common to win best song for an actual song song instead yeah. of sort of the obligatory, and here's where we're going to try to get a Well, a lot of times, a Broadway musical adapted for the screen, they will only add an original song to be eligible, and it's right. often the right. worst song in the yeah. show. I mean, you saw it with yeah. Into the Woods, and you saw it with, um, uh, oh, I'm blanking. Well, there was a song in Les Mis, and I think they ended up both getting cut. Because they needed that, something new. Right? Anyway, yeah. Um, Any other favorite musical 
moments of the year in cinema. I mean, I think we just haven't talked about it quite enough, and that is Cher's arrival in Mamma Mia 2. Oh, <laughs> they should make a special category for that. Like, best best cameo yeah. in a musical. I mean, you literally hear the chopper, and you're like, uh-huh. Right. But she... if you could only give an award to her... Oh, now I'm just going to get really spoilery. I don't want to totally ruin Mary Poppins, so I won't. But like, let's just give Cher an award for Mamma Mia 2. Yeah, I mean, she had quite a, a year. Uh, also, that ABBA album was amazing. But yeah, I, I will say, uh, just to the point of musicals as a whole, and kind of, uh, we often say Chicago revived the modern musical, which is very true. Um, and then we had a sort of a spat of Broadway adaptations that kind of came and went. We yeah. all, you know, Dreamgirls happened and Jennifer won, but mm -hmm. um, I think we count that as a success. Les Mis got panned, mm -hmm. and yet Anne Hathaway won. Sweeney Todd. Um, Sweeney Todd then comes out, and you're sort of a little eh on it. Uh, Into the Woods and Nine, which Rob Marshall directed, and we, we'll talk mm -hmm. about with him. But uh, When we know. were at um, AFI Fest, and they were honoring Nicole Kidman, and they did like a nice, beautiful reel honoring her, the Moulin Rouge parts of it were so great still. Yeah. Like, they really, yes. they, they like, it was, it was seeing it again in a theater at that scope, and like, as just sort of the music that soundtracked her whole kind of reel. It was like, ah, oh, that was so great. Yeah. Oh, but I, that didn't win anything, right? It won Mulan? the music comedy category for, oh, it did win. for Globes. Yeah. And okay. she was nominated, yeah. but she, you know, for the Oscar. But um, that was fantastic. I just, I think we're in a really cool moment again for musicals. And I don't think a lot of people recognize that. But you look at a La La Land and a Greatest Showman, mm -hmm. which was like the number one album of the year, like soundtrack totally. wise. Um, and probably will be again for its covers. Seriously. Right? So and I think I can only imagine it's going to be a live tour, right? I feel like. Oh yeah. Well, he was singing those songs yeah. wherever he goes yeah. from now on. Right. But from now on, another greatest showman. <laughs> anyway, I, it's I want people to recognize that it is still a very exciting time for musicals. Totally. The musical is very much back, um, both original musicals and adaptations. Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool time to be a musical fan. A movie well, look that at Broadway, I. I mean, Broadway's—they've never had a better box office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it just keeps like people are into musical theater. It's. Hamilton did did its yes. thing. I mean, I mean, and the chorus line did its thing in the 70s, and Rent mm -hmm. did its thing in the 90s. Like, uh, mm. there's always uh, musical theater as an art form ebbs and flows. It's just exciting that um, you know Hollywood is taking more cues from it. There are still going to be your stinkers. Mm -hmm. Cats coming to theaters Christmas 2019. Oh my God. You're already ready to pan it. Yeah. I mean We'll be back here next year. Uh, 2019. <laughs> Not cats. talking about cats. No, we don't have to. Um, a movie I love this year, not a musical, but that had music in it that I felt like did not get enough love, Heart, Hearts Beat Loud, was yeah. fantastic. Nick Offerman um, and and a, like a young cast, so good. Definitely yeah. check that out if you haven't watched it. Um, I loved Cold War. Which I just watched. Um, You've been talking about Cold War for months. Yeah, it's sort of... Tell us about Cold it's War. Wild. It's wild, but it's basically like a, like a, like a Polish star is born. Sure. Post-war, <laughs> Post black and white. The first time I've heard that said inside about this movie. But I kind of, like, <laughs> it's so, I mean, it's it's one of those movies where, like, if I was watching it in English, I would so not be into it. But since it's mm. a foreign film, it, like, It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. The music it's is really great. also black and white, like Roma. The music's awesome. The lead woman is incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's She's basically great. this, you know, a... They're not, I guess they are, they, do they end up ever getting married? Anyway, no. it's this, like these two star-crossed lovers. He's her accompany, he's an accompanist and she's a performer and because of the Cold War and like all sorts of politics, they're And like, also just personal dramatics. Yes, it's a very melodramatic movie. Yeah, but, but the music um, is great music and is you totally do great. really see like this one woman sort of like journey through what music 
what as a performer her options are and sort of that yeah. was resonant. Yeah. yeah, totally. It sounds like it might be a musical drama on the stage. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what? We need some musical dramas. More yeah, musical And I'll just drama. be musical comedies. That's right. Not uh, everything's hairspray. So we were going to do some bold <laughs> takes. Mark, I feel like you already, your predictions. <laughs> My for... bold take is that Emily Blunt will not perform at the Oscars. Yeah. Right? Um, no, I mean. Any, anything else you, you want to well, say? I think my bold take, I mean, I, I, I hope this is Mark Shaman's year, I guess, for right. score. Um, I think, <sighs> this is hard. Um, I, I keep, when I talk about this year's Oscar race, I keep talking about best actress, right? Like, that totally. is the one to watch. And I, my boldest take, honestly, is that it's still Lady Gaga's. Uh, and I know that we, you know, Glenn Close came out, but it's sort of, I don't know about that momentum. Emily Blunt, who I think could absolutely, like, steal it, only if Star is Born's momentum right. falls off. But it doesn't sound like it, do it will, unless Lady Gaga's residency is totally weird. And ruins all of her momentum. But anyway, I, seriously, my the boldest take is, is like, take is Lady that Gaga for everything. Yeah, you know? mm -hmm. like, that's the boldest take. Yeah, that that category is so interesting. And I'm like, I, would people like riot in the streets if Emily Blunt wins? I don't think so because no. like there's so much goodwill toward her because mm. she's nailed every single kind of movie. And A Quiet Place also, was this year. Yeah, is that not crazy? And she was, and she's also just so cool. Like she's like, <laughs> honestly, when she's campaigning, like, and that's the thing. It's sort of like, who do you want to talk to at a co at a cocktail party this year for Oscars? Like Emily Blunt is definitely <laughs> the one. You're like, yep, I'm going to that bar. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like when you enter the room and all the candidates are there, and it's like Olivia Coleman and Emily Blunt and Lady Gaga and. Also, I really now now that you're saying all this, I want to see her acceptance speech. Totally. I feel like it would yeah. be amazing. I mean, I right. I I think if Emily Blunt won the Oscar. I mean, she did the impossible in yeah. Mary Poppins, and Gaga has been on this train for so long now, right. where we, we do see kind of a, a turn against anything popular, essentially. And mm -hmm. so we've still got a couple more months of this. More, so we'll more backlash months yeah. to happen. Yeah. But okay. I don't think but you know, we haven't be a seen yet. We have not seen Barbara Streisand do something. I feel like they're waiting, they're holding out on like whatever that one ask is of Barbara Streisand. The Oscars. To, to, and I don't know if it'll be in the like, FYC, like in the campaign season, so that she gets an extra boost, mm. right. or if they use her at the actual ceremony to present. Pre order walls today. Um, yeah, album. I mean, she doesn't need to push out walls. Um, I don't know, but I feel like. Maybe she performs with Gaga at the Oscars. Right? I mean, for not for an awards sort of momentum, but just for the just moment. Just for the show stopping moment right? of it. That's, that is a, those are all bold takes. There's something, I'm excited there's about definitely that. something big that's going to come out of Barbara Streisand and Lady Gaga. Yes. Okay. Unless she wants to, to support, like, like uh, Mary Poppins, you know? <laughs> or unless she's kind of like, I, I mean, Defector. we haven't really heard so much from Barbara about it. What if, no, this is not going to happen. <laughs> Julie Andrews is not coming out with Emily Blunt at the Oscars instead. That would be Julie cool. versus oh Barbara. You think I'm going to answer that question? No, it wasn't a question. On the you, record. No, it, that was not a question. <laughs> I would never put you in that position. <laughs> it was just me imagining this moment on stage, like one of them on oh. e in each wing. We make Chicago, I say. What Julie if, and Barbara. I mean, what if that? What if that force? What would that foursome come out to introduce? What category? Like original song? Yeah. Like short form web series. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people introduce the songs. I think, right? Like, like who, 
it doesn't I mean they don't even have like could they co-host there you go yeah bold prediction co-host oh, you know for the Oscars I like, will Julie Andrews performance <laughs> right like it, it'll all Bradley will introduce Gaga yeah so okay so going back to that that actually like what if sense. it's Barbara and Bradley introducing Gaga this is all this actually this is the most optimistic conversation about like what the Oscars show could be like I know. because this is really the main like resource they have to tap into is that there are mm. great music potential totally. moments that will actually make the ceremony a lot yeah. more and as I more yeah. friendly and appealing and commercial and kind of bring in that like big performance whether it is like a huge stage number from Mary Poppins or whatever it is that we see from Lady Gaga those are really watchable like you must tune in kind of yeah. moments and yes. this is so far the most compelling argument <laughs> for what the broadcast of the Oscars is going to look like that we've had right. yet because that we don't be know what's going to happen with the host no. uh, the gag is that the Oscars should not be this difficult it is yeah. not that hard to write comedy about movies hello right. I do it every like it's I mean it's not that <laughs> That hard no, it isn't. Give good performances and I always say know. I would like them to go back to the eighties when Debbie Allen would choreograph musical numbers oh, for all the yes. best picture yes. companies. That's fun. They would be like interpretive yes. dance of like dances with Debbie. wolves. And it was like definitely something. I don't know if I need that for this year. Terrible. Maybe for the I Globes. I love it so much. Maybe for the Globes, Debbie choreograph musical numbers for Vice. I mean, but and, that Vice could be a and, very interesting. <laughs> Billy Crystal. I mean, this would be a good year for him. Whoopi though. and Billy. I mean, this oh. is why you have to have a host who can sing and dance. Right? I always love. Yeah, as it's, a kid, I loved the. There was a, probably a run of maybe five years in a row in the '90s or early 2000s where. It was that musical number totally. at the beginning, yeah. spoofing every single movie. That was so much fun to me. That's what we need. Yes. And now we're gone. Now it's drones and Colin Jones. <laughs> okay. Um, Mark, you wrote EW's cover story about Mary Poppins Returns. You were on set. And then you got to sit down again with Pia to talk to Rob Marshall. Yes. Anything else you want to tell us before we hear that interview? Just uh, get excited. Um, I, I think it's really interesting to realize that Rob Marshall has taken Broadway shows to the screen with Chicago and Into the Woods and Nine, um, but this is his first original musical, and in the theater world, that's a big thing. There, mm. you, don't, you don't get the, Different. the privilege of knowing whether a song really works or whether a story works, so this was a really bold thing for him to do, and uh, what, a, what a first original musical to make. Not his first time at the rodeo, but in that very specific But his first time building way. a rodeo. Yeah, yeah. Or like building a new horse versus jumping on, <laughs> jumping on one that already exists. <laughs> totally. All right, let's check out the interview with Rob Marshall. I am so excited to introduce uh, the director of Mary Poppins Returns, Rob Marshall. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here. And uh, I'm also really excited to be joined by my fellow EW colleague, Mark Snedeker. Uh, Mark did this incredible um, reporting and co two cover stories on Mary Poppins Returns, and he's really followed this film through. So um, I am just, as, as much as we're talking about awards, I really wanted to have Mark on here today because I know <laughs> you two have a, a really great it's, relationship. It's true. I, it's true. I and feel I want really Poppins Mark's secrets. part of the family now. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, I got to say, like, I, in my limited time on set, it changes you. And I'll, I'll just not to just immediately get right into this. But no, get into it. This is good. Stepping on Cherry Tree Lane was for me as an outsider to what had been 
a lengthy process of rehearsal and pre-production mm-hmm. and design and everything that accumulated into Cherry Tree Lane standing there at Shepperton Studios in London on, you know, a cold <laughs> March day, whatever it was. <laughs> um, the warmth that suddenly I felt was unbelievable. And I can only imagine, Rob, spending so much time there. I spent a day there. I mean, how did that set and that warmth and just showing up and that's your office. Cherry Tree Lane is your office. Mm. What does that do to a person? Well, it was a dream come true. I mean, I never thought that that would quite happen for me. You know, um, when I was first approached about doing this, you know, of course, the first thing is, is, oh, my gosh, how could we possibly consider doing a sequel to that brilliant film? And then it was sort of like, well, if someone's going to do it, I'd like to do it. Mm. Because I really wanted to make sure that I protected and cared for um, the first film and really saw it as a way to uh, pay homage to it, but also at the same time create something completely new from the very beginning. And so it was this incredible balancing act the entire time. How do you do both? You know, how do you? But I realized, you know, we're inheriting this um, beautiful story, beautiful, amazing picture. And, and so now how do we, you know, create something new? And it was really about finding another era to set it in. You know, we set it in the 30s, which is the mm. the era of the first books. And um, so the Depression era felt sort of very right for now. I don't know why, except that, you know, the sort of accessibility of, 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 um, of the struggle of today felt, I don't know, very connected to then. And so I, 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 that, that whole opening up that door really gave us a big sort of entrance into a whole new way of seeing this new, new original musical. Yeah. I, I want to know a little bit about um, you and your partner, John DeLuca, brilliant producer, undersung hero. Uh, <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> tell me a bit about the conversations you guys had when this sort of first came about, because everybody needs a sounding board. Everybody mm. needs somebody to say, is this... Uh, can we do this? Is this? Can this happen? <laughs> what were those early conversations like that helped you get to the point of, you know what, let's jump in, let's do this? Well, it was really like, um, we have to find our own, like I was saying before, our own sort of path. Um, and that was really about, you know, what what is our story? I mean, everything comes from story. The the uh, books, which there are eight of eight books, eight P. L. Travers books, um, and I don't think people are fully aware of that. No, you know, yeah. um, but but the but there's also the it's interesting because they're episodic. There's no real narrative to them, so we had to find a story, a reason for Mary Poppins to come back after 54 years off the screen, mm-hmm. and that was that was the big challenge for us. You know, and 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 I think the 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 whole point was to find, um, you know, we we took Michael and Jane as kids. You know, the original film was set in 1910, and so now it's in the 30s, and it made sense that 25 years later, here we are, Michael and Jane are older. So we really explored this idea of loss, loss of um, of wonder, of joy. You know, as adults grow up, they forget what it's like to be a child and see things through a child's eyes. So that whole that th- that whole idea is something that really helped us. And then this also, in addition, they're experiencing this loss of a family member too. Mm-hmm. And 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 in Depression Era London. So how do you how do you find your way? And that's why Mary Poppins comes back to help them find their way. And and you know, for me, this was the uh, story to tell now in today's world. I mean, I really felt a real deep um, sense that we need a ray of light Mm -hmm. in the world today, something that we can um, 
you know, wake up in the morning for, you know, something you can, I mean, I really felt like this, it felt so current for me to do this film today and now. Yeah. And what's interesting is I feel like that has only over the past few years has only increased in, in urgency mm. almost. And I remember talking to you about this, yes. that uh, however you felt, you know, on set or in pre-production, um, now it's, it's 2018 and time has passed and things have happened. And I feel like the message has only become more and more urgent, mm. more and more clear. Uh, is that sort of how you feel? Yes, I mean, it developed as we were as we were working on the film. It, you know, the times got even darker and more fragile. And so we all desperately wanted to be part of this message going out into the world now. I know Meryl Streep said to me, that's why she jumped on, on this immediately, and, and Colin Firth and this amazing cast, they all said, you know, we want to be part of sending this kind of message out into the world now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel that deeply. Yeah. I was surprised by that. It, I didn't quite realize how much I needed a story like this. I went in sort of going, yes, I'm excited to see a sequel to this very well-loved story. And I came out just completely like I had escaped for about two hours. Mm. I was in another world mm. and I came out feeling so um, sort of uplifted mm. and I did not expect that to happen. You know, I think we tend to be a bit more cynical when we're going into things like this, but it, it's interesting. I think, I think the story itself mirrors what we're feeling. I mean, there's a sense of loss of hope from the character of Michael specifically the mm -hmm. father, you know, suffering the loss of his wife and the mother of his children, but also the, the struggle of what he's going through every day. And so you put away those things of joy and wonder. I mean, it's, you know, and, and you find yourself becoming more cynical in life. And I think we've all experienced that. And, you know, P.L. Travers, and, and it's a theme that runs through all her books. Um, she talks about this idea that adults don't remember and they forget. And as, the, as they get older, th those memories, you know, they, I mean, Michael and Jane don't even believe the things that happened with Mary Poppins <laughs> actually happened until they realize maybe they have. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> As you were um, kind of uh, once you once you did say yes to this to this film, to this project, um, what were the first sort of calls you made? Who did you want on your team? Who did you know mm. could bring another level to this, both creatively and in front of the camera? Well, the first thing I did was find a screenplay writer with David McGee, who wrote the story with myself and John DeLuca. Um, obviously brought Mark Platt on, our, our great producing partner, who is incredible. And then looking for composers. I mean, the hardest <laughs> thing in the world, who's going to compose this? You know, it's an I original musical. I mean, the music musical. is so <laughs> iconic to this. It's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm so proud of their work on this film. And, you know, and, and also a, a, a very complicated, you know, task. How do you take the, you know, the brilliant songs from Mary Poppins that we know so well, how do you, how do you move forward into the next sort of, you know, journey with this? And uh, Mark's, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, were those composers for me. I mean, I feel they had it in their blood. And that was mm. sort of my test. I felt like everybody needed to have Mary Poppins, the first film, in their blood somewhere. Because here we were, we were, you know, taking this extraordinary film and, 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 and moving forward into the next chapter. And so we wanted to approach it very carefully. And I, and I hope when people see it, they'll see that in every frame there's that... that uh, sense of care and love and passion that we all had. Um, mm -hmm. I hope it's there for people to see. Yeah. Tell me a bit about Emily Blunt, the wonderful <laughs> Emily Blunt. Um, one of my favorite things that I remember finding out was finding the way into the character. Emily says his girl Friday was a big influence for her. Yeah. And 
I, what's funny is even before she said that, in my head, I'm thinking, his girl Friday, his girl Friday. <laughs> there was something about <laughs> placing her in the 30s, and she's no nonsense, and she's fast talking, right. and she's razor sharp. And you think, oh, there's a Rosalind Russell element here. That, you know, totally. What, where did you guys come up with this way in? Well, here's the thing. You know, the era took us there. The 30s. Mm. We're not in 1910. It's mm-hmm. a sort of a different Mary. Even you know, she doesn't age as she comes back. It's like Santa Claus or something <laughs> like that. You know, um, as other people age, but. Um, Emily really returned first to the books to sort of see, because you, here's the thing, Julie Andrews is genius in the original film, won the Oscar. She's extraordinary and iconic. And so how do you follow that? Well, what you do is you don't play Julie Andrews. You play Mary Poppins and you go directly to the books and you see who is this character. I'm sure, you know, how do you follow Sean Connery as James Bond? Right. You know, you have to <laughs> you have to find who's the character. And so Emily went to the books with myself and we looked and, and and saw who this who this character was, and this character is so enigmatic and mysterious and interesting, you know, um, kind of gruff and stern on the outside, but underneath is a child under there, um, quite vain, kind of nutty. I mean, it's all it's all kinds of things, and so there was very rich character to work with, with many 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 layers, which she was able to do, and then the fact that it took place in the '30s really helped this idea of oh, how does she speak? How does she move? How and 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 his girl Friday really helped us because, you know, it's 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 from the thirties and it, it, it's like, and she's very, you know, she's like a tornado when she arrives, just like, <laughs> just like Russ Russell was in yeah. his girl Friday. And so all of these things helped, you know, you know, we also had over two months of rehearsal where we're creating characters and working and finding your own territory. And, because it was an original musical, we didn't have out of town. You know, you don't have previews <laughs> like you do on a, on a proper musical. Yeah. You have to do it all then. And so we really used every single ounce of that process. One thing I also um, absolutely adored, and it caught me off guard. I don't know why I wasn't expecting this, but um, this isn't necessarily in the original film as much. Mary Poppins' moments alone, moments when it's just her, mm. which if you looked at the 64 film, She's always with. She's always talking to somebody. She's always with a child or with an adult. Here, there were several moments where we saw, for the first time, I would stand on a soapbox and say, <laughs> the first time, you see into Mary Poppins as a as a soul, as an empathetic person, as somebody with. The Emily, I think, said she's superhuman, but where are the human moments? Mm. She can't do this for this family without being so full of feeling. Yes. You, you can't. Right. How did you sort of come up with well, those Well, that moments? was all very intentional because I, we didn't want her to be a cartoon, you know, um, and that can, that can happen. You can stylize her in such a way that she doesn't seem real, and that's not the truth. She's a real person, a living, breathing person. And that humanity underneath was sort of the most important part for us and for me to reveal. And there are these private moments where you see what she's really feeling, you know, you just said that as an example, just before she, uh, she takes this big adventure, she's alone in the this bathroom. They have this adventure underwater in the bathtub and, you know, and they're on their way. And and she has this moment alone and you see that she's just as excited or more excited than the kids. She says, off we go. And <laughs> she like goes backwards into the tub. And, you know, I love revealing that because... Otherwise, she just becomes this thing that's not sort of flesh and blood. Mm. And that's what's so extraordinary about Emily's performance. It's a very sophisticated performance because there's so many layers to it. She denies 
everything, right? This, you, and you know, they say, oh, we did this. Oh, how dare you suggest such a thing? You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's it's a great character to play, but it needs an actor. I mean, honestly, Emily was the only person on this planet yeah. that I honestly felt could play this role. And I still feel that way. I feel like you may have made the right choice. <laughs> um, but, and you also have um, the wonderful Lin-Manuel Miranda yes. as Jack the Lamplighter. Um, and this is the first time we see Lin in a movie like this. Well, he was thrilled. I mean, Lin had never done a film like this before. I mean, he'd played small parts in films, but never starred in a film like this. And I think he was so excited about this idea of doing it. And I will say that what he brings to this character of Jack, you know, the character of Jack is this optimistic character, but he really literally is, you know, literally and figuratively finding light in the darkness. He's a lamplighter, mm. so he lights up the London in this very dark time, but that's what he does. He brings that, and that's who Lynn is. Lynn has this authentic personality that's so enthusiastic, so pure, he doesn't have a jaded bone in his body. I mean, <laughs> I, if you know him, he just isn't. He's just yeah. pure enthusiasm and and passion and 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 childlike spirit. It's And it, it, that was, once again, you know, it was like, well, who else could do that but Lynn? And, and um, John DeLuca actually suggested Lynn. He said, what about Lin-Manuel? So we sat with him and it was obvious within moments that this was his as well. Yeah. Well, speaking of who else could do that and childlike spirit, everybody I talked to, Rob, about you said that the set that you cultivated, they'll never forget. I mean, truly. I mean, that was there was a set with spirit. And I said it earlier in the show, um, but everybody left this set enchanted mm. or certainly more enchanted than when they showed up. Wow. Um, how did you, was that an active thing on your behalf to, to sort of say, we are making a Mary Poppins film. I have to set this tone of magic. Mm -hmm. How did that sort of come about? Well, I, you know, for me as a director, I always try and create a very specific tone on set where mm -hmm. people feel they can do anything. They, they're not judged. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I really love having rehearsals because in that time you create a company mm. and, and I like to make a, 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 a place where people feel protected and they're not feeling like they're exposed. And especially when you're doing something like a musical where you haven't really sung or danced before thing. I mean, this started all the way back in Chicago when I was working on musicals when they were so out of fashion, <laughs> but I, but I really, I feel like there's so much people can do and, but they have to be encouraged with positive reinforcement and not sort of like judged and criticized and all that kind of thing. And I always feel that when I'm working on a film that this is people's lives. It's not mm. like we're taking a vacation from life. Mm -hmm. This is it. The crew's part of it. Everybody's part of it. Every single, the designers, it's all has to be one together. And, 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 and I think... You know, there's nothing like working on a musical. I mean, it's a vast, huge machine because you have so many layers. There are dancers. There are on this. There are animators. There are, you know, there are actors. There are children. You know, there are stunt bicycle, you know, members of the company. I mean, it was it's it's just it's layered after layer after layer. I, when I do a musical, I feel like I'm literally doing two movies at once. That's right. what it feels like. It's yeah. that it's that massive. It's intensive. And you know, when you do a musical. The most important thing is that it looks effortless mm -hmm. at the end of sure. all that, right? Yep. So you shouldn't see all that hard work. It should seem like when someone starts to sing, it's very organic, natural, coming right out of the scene. And that's one of the hardest things to make work. You think it's easy, but, you know, with an original musical like this one, we really had to find, you know, when it's time to sing yeah. um, and make it feel seamless. Um, 
earn a song. So then all of a sudden, you know, when they're singing, it's like, oh, it's meant to happen that way. And it shouldn't feel awkward, you know. Yeah. You know, when you see a musical that doesn't work, you're always like, oh, it's awkward that they start mm -hmm. to sing. You shouldn't be aware of that. So it takes an enormous amount of time and effort mm -hmm. to make that seem like, you know, it was simple. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's the mm -hmm. classic Gene Kelly makes every step look like, oh, maybe I could do this. Too. Yeah, which yeah. is good. It, but that's which what it should look like. It's something that I wanted to ask both of you, uh, because I'm not the go to on musicals. I am going to admit Mark knows this about me. <laughs> you like, you know, some, I love, anyway, go on. <laughs> Mark, Mark knows. Um, but I... I'm interested to see, you just mentioned, you know, back when musicals were unfashionable. Yes. Um, it has been interesting to see kind of the, the journey of the musical in Hollywood mm. and how it is received. And then it did go away for a while. And then I feel like maybe there's a bit of a, I don't know if it's a revival necessarily, mm. but um, how do you feel about kind of that evolution? And especially when you're looking, because this is the awardist podcast, especially when you see that being reflected on kind of the awards stage of mm. it all. Uh, what, have, what have you both gauged in that? Well, I can, I can tell you from my experience, you know, when I was doing Chicago, it was uh, musicals were so out of fashion, except for animated musicals. That's where you could accept people singing. Mm -hmm. But I never felt the genre was dead. I, you know, people always think, oh, the genre is dead. I was like, well, no, I think it's maybe how it's done. And it has to be done, you know, in a sort of in a cinematic way that makes sense. And, and, you know, the concept, for instance, on Chicago was very specific, you know, and you either, it either works or it doesn't. And, of course, I was hoping it would work, but I honestly thought five people would see Chicago. I mean, I had no <laughs> sense. And so when it so when it did what it did, and and won the Oscar for Best Picture, yeah. it was such a, a a surprise. It was a shock that, you know, and and I was so thrilled that it, you know the genre was being embraced again as a real true art form because when I was growing up. It was the great films like Mary Poppins and My Fair Lady and Oliver and yeah. Sound of Music. All of those were so embraced. And then I think they just got overblown, sort of bloated, and people thought, oh, that doesn't work. And then they just, it just sort of fell apart mm -hmm. for the 70s and the 80s, sure. 90s. It was really pretty sparse. Yeah. And, um, and I do think, I mean, I hope, I hope Chicago did sort of help open the door to this new. Mm -hmm. Um, era of musicals on film. I certainly have been able to do a few others, you know, like Nine, for yeah. instance, mm -hmm. or Into the Woods. And so I, I feel like, you know, you just have to, you have to do it. There, Every movie is, has its challenges, but musicals are particularly hard because when they don't work, they don't work. <laughs> when they do work, they work. And yeah. there's nothing like them. They can lift your spirits and and, and and take you to places you never thought you could go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just, yeah, it's like uh, you look a little bit like um, at the horror genre. I know this sounds crazy, but <laughs> bear with me. Think about how we're in a quote unquote resurgence of horror with True. it yeah. and get out. And suddenly this genre that has never gone away is suddenly back in vogue. And mm -hmm. what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything ever truly was in a valley. It just means there are new peaks to be yes, had, right? Exactly. And so That's if so you, poetic, Mark. Well, thank you. <laughs> but if you look at, you know, look at some of the films in this in the sort of 70s when quote unquote musicals went away a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, A Chorus Line was a film and Jesus Christ Superstar was a film and those aren't necessarily beloved. Mm -hmm. Hair was a film. Those aren't beloved musicals. I don't, I don't think, or sorry, on paper, those are beloved musicals. Yeah. On stage, those are beloved musicals. Yeah. Those films aren't necessarily considered the My Fair Ladies music yeah. man of the world. Why? It's not for the it's not for the actual content. It's just for maybe where we are in, in the in the world at the moment. And, and maybe not every stage musical really 
can become a film musical. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes they're created specifically for the stage and should be there, and that's yeah. where they live. That's where they're, you know, okay. um, and some are, and, and some are more easily translated. You know, I know with Chicago, it was very complicated because it, it was created as a musical vaudeville, and so what I tried to do on that film was to sort of hold on to that musical vaudeville <laughs> idea but and have the sort of duality. But that's why this was such a thrill to work on this one for me, because I wasn't taking something from the stage and turning it into a film. I actually was creating, for the first time in my career, an original film musical, which I'd always wanted to do. What do you mean? Always wanted to do, because, you know, it's like, it's, it's how, you know, my favorite musicals, uh, are from the golden age of musicals like Singing in the Rain, Bandwagon, mm -hmm. Me, Me in St. Louis. All of these were original musicals created for film during the, you know, the golden years of the, you know, the Freed Unit at MGM. And so that was my dream. So to be able to do this was was exactly what I wanted to do. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but honestly, my most personal project for sure. Yeah. Can I, I ask one last question? I think you can, Mark. Yes. <laughs> As I, I spoke to Emily and Lynn about this and, and how they readjusted to normal life after this enchanted set on yes. a daily basis. How did you, how did leaving Mary Poppins, well, nobody ever leaves Mary Poppins, let's say that, <laughs> but how did this change you? Well, I get to live with it longer because I had a, over a year of post-production. This, this, this has taken me three full years mm. um, because from starting to write it till right now. So in a way, I feel like I haven't quite left it. I sort of just finished it recently. And so it's still, and now we're just starting to show it to people and, and that's been really thrilling, mm. yeah. I have to say. I mean, the reaction has been exciting for me. I mean, I, I didn't quite expect that, and it's been really exciting. That's and sweet. I think people are embracing it, especially in this climate. You yeah, know? no, I think it's. Uh, it, I th I'm excited to talk to more people about it. Before I let the both of you go, actually, there's one thing we're asking of everybody, um, which is we're still a little early um, out from the Oscars. So this is a good time to make some bold predictions mm, or <laughs> advocate if you're advocating for something specifically. Yes. Is there, Rob, for you, is there a movie um, or, you know, even a, a sort of director that you feel has really delivered this year that you would love to see recognized? And Mark, I got mm. that question for you too. I'm so embarrassed because I haven't seen much because we've, mm. I've just sort of finished the film and gone into our, our own sort of world here. So That's I feel, okay. so, so, <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm, I'm such a fan of so many of the directors and, yeah. and films that are out there. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled and excited to see them. You know, I, I'm dying to see Roma. I'm dying mm -hmm. to see mm. Green Book. I'm dying to see the favorite. I'm, okay. you know, I'm dying. I mean, sure. the, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, these are, you know, I, I, I'm excited to see them, but I honestly haven't. So there you That's go. That's okay. You have a, hopefully you'll have a bit of downtime. Um, in keeping with the Mary Poppins theme of it all, um, <laughs> I thought A Quiet Place was extraordinary. I would love to see John Krasinski get a little love, love yeah. come come out of the woodwork. And, right. you know, what a fun debut. That not, is, not fun, a that, harrowing debut. By the way, that is a great film. And John and Emily obviously are great friends of mine and John's and... The, it, he did an extraordinary job on that as you know i was knocked out by that that yeah. was really something else it, it was mm. a very unexpected film yes. and the fact that he was writing that while emily was dancing <laughs> with penguins and coming home but i think you need that duality for both of you they're to, an incredible yeah. team together i have to say and they're two beautiful <laughs> girls they're amazing oh. people oh um, well, I just want to say thank you both so much for coming on and talking oh, and taking Ryan. us thank into you, the Pia. world of Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, thank you, Pia. And uh, I look forward to um, hopefully speaking to you a lot more about this. Thanks, Pia. Thank Thanks, you. Mark. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. guys.
Mary Poppins Returns is in theaters on Wednesday, December 19th. So practically by the time you hear this, you should be able to go out and see it. I think we can all say we would heartily recommend that you go see it. It's such a great holiday movie. Take kids. I mean, it's like it's only a little in that kind of Disney scary world. So I think like even pretty young kids mm-hmm. would be fine with it. Mm-hmm. It was really delightful as an adult person without children to still go see. It's for the adults. Walt Disney always said his movies were not for kids; they were for the kids inside of you. And um, Rob Marshall very much believes that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And funny and and a little scary, but not too scary. You'll smile. You'll smile for a couple hours, and uh, I think that is worth the ticket price alone. As is Dick Van Dyke. Yes. Yeah. A- and Blue Lady. Oh, Bill is uh, just recently getting to know Angela Lansbury. What? Where have you been? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Bill, no. is, Bill is a Murder, <laughs> She Wrote super fan. Right. Yes. Um, he's now given away all of the cameos in this movie. Sorry, Oh, everyone. yeah. Well, I mean, so did, you know, it's basically the cast spoilers. of Mamma Mia and Angela Lansbury. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and Cher. And just wait Cher? For, wait for the Cher cameo. Oh, in Poppins? Mary Poppins? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you you got to stick around to the very end. Yeah. The end, end she's credits. Like a, she's selling ice cream. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, The Golden Globes air Sunday, January 6th on NBC. We'll have complete coverage on EW.com. And then we will be back here on the podcast on Tuesday, January 8th, with a complete breakdown of everything that happened. Um, Which of these musicals or non-musicals or musical-ish films won, as well as their leading ladies and men, and what that means for the rest of award season. You can get complete awards coverage at EW.com in the magazine. Pia has great weekly columns. We're covering below the line. We've got TV campaigns. We've got Oscars history um, and more fun stuff to happen. Please subscribe to this podcast if you're enjoying it. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. And thank you, uh, Bill and Mark, for joining me today. Thank you. Um, And thanks, everyone, for listening to The Artist from EW. And we will talk to you after the Globes.